Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, happy hump day. It's the middle of the week. Friday's on the horizon, and I'm here to get you through the final few steps. Welcome to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. I'm your host. And as you know from listening to the show, whether you listen to the show that I do here or the Friday that I show that I do on iHeart, I do have usually a, a defined set of topics where I'm not a rip from the headlines, regurgitate news, things to that nature, but I do have a broader spectrum. And I've had a lot of you inquire what's going on in Texas because, you know, we broadcast from Texas. And I will tell you right now, in reference to the border, um, it is every bit of the catastrophe that you're hearing from certain news organizations. You're not getting the truth from all of the news organizations, but you need to understand something, okay? We don't hate our friends down south, and they don't hate us. You got to remember, Texas took Mexico took, we basically took Texas from Mexico in 1836 and kept it for 10 years before becoming part of the United States. Mexico has just simply been trying to get it back ever since. It's kind of a friendly exchange, but we need to follow rules. And right now, rules are not being followed. There's engagement issues down there. We do have a lot of stress coming across the border. And so what we're going to focus on today is what's causing some of these issues. Is there anything we can do about it? And is there some truth to some of the hypersensitivity what's going on in the media? I want to get some of the, the hypersensitive out of the way. Number one, um, we've got my governor, Greg Abbott, who has come out and basically said a statement to the effect that he's going to arrest everyone coming across the border that's not legal. We're going to talk about that. Does he even have the authority to make that declaration? Is there anything to back it up? Uh, we're going to talk, uh, spend a few moments on uh, our, our illustrious VP who has yet to make a trip to the border in Texas. She went to Guatemala, didn't get a real friendly uh, welcome. Um, same thing in Mexico. So uh, that's, you, you know, if you're on the Biden side, you got to just chalk that up to disaster. And then I want to weigh in a little bit on this uh, AOC's comments that the Biden administration and immigration is a disaster, but not for the reasons that you might think. That's because uh, VP Harris, when she was in Guatemala, basically said, if you're thinking about coming to the United States, don't come because our borders are closed. AOC didn't like that and threw out a comment somewhat to the effect that we burned down the houses of Central and South America's governments and that we should be responsible for the results from it. And I will say this to Ms. AOC, who obviously has never been down South and doesn't know what happened in the 80s. Um, in the late 70s and 80s, the Soviet Union was arming Central and South America as in armies and guns and tanks and planes and helicopters. And have we not gotten involved, we would have been invaded. It's that simple. So that's an ignorant statement for her to make on it, but it's something, you know, just shows you the gap that we have. We do have a guest with us today, and I'm glad that we have a guest here. Uh, we've got with us Mr. Ira Melman. He is the media director for FAIR, which stands for the Federation for American Immigration Reform. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well. Good to be with you. You know what? I, first off, I want to appreciate in the response that your organization had in getting back to me on the contact. And I, I'm, I'm just tickled uh, that you were able to join us on the show today. I had this uh, particular spot and topic slotted. And to have someone with uh, what your organization does come in is really wonderful. 
Speaking of that, tell us about what FAIR is and what FAIR does. What FAIR tries to do is to represent the interest of the American public in immigration policy. Look, we all understand uh, the perspective of the immigrants. Nobody comes to the United States legally or illegally unless it's in, in their interest to be here. The right. question is, what impact does it have on everybody else? What impact does it have on people's jobs, on their quality of their children's education, on just about every aspect of life in the United States? That's why we have immigration laws. It's why every nation on earth has immigration laws and why they need to be enforced. And if they're not working, need to be reformed. So there are all kinds of organizations out there that represent the interests of uh, cheap labor, uh, the immigrants themselves. We try to represent the interests of the American public on this issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you this, and I, I've been around this, uh, you know, I'm, I, I I'm old enough to know when certain terms were, were used back in the 70s. And by the way, haters, don't contact me on this. But, you know, back in the 70s, if you came across the river illegally, they called you a wetback. That was the term. And it was because you got in, you got wet, and you came through. And I will tell you that the construction industry made loads and loads of money off of illegal labor. And they found ways to house them, go through. So, you know, we look, we have been complicit in certain areas. I can tell you in Texas, we have been of creating this problem. The problem is at some point you, could, you, you confess your sins and you stop it. They tried it in 86 with Reagan and basically lied. And that was a disaster. Never happened. And there's really until President Trump came in, there's been no legitimate what I would call immigration enforcement since. Am I wrong on this? Uh, no, no, I mean, there have been several attempts. Uh, all of them have offered promises to the American public that have never been kept in terms of enforcement, in terms of things that they were going to do to protect the interests of the American people. Uh, you know, what's interesting now is if you look at the Biden administration, if you look at the current Democratic leadership in Congress, they're not even bothering to lie to the American public anymore. I guess, I guess we can give them some credit for being honest. Uh, they just want amnesty. They want open borders. They're not even making a pretense saying we're going to secure our borders in the future or we're going to have some kind of verifiable system that an employer can use to determine whether somebody is legally eligible to be hired in the United States. Uh, all that has gone by the wayside. Now it's just, you know, straight open borders with some support, as you point out, of cheap labor and Chris here in the United States who would prefer not to have to pay American workers decent wages. That's true. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's talk about the fact that um, certain politicos have taken off the mask, I'll call it. We do have, like it or not, for the better or for worse, we do have immigration laws. The fact that they're being blatantly disregarded openly in public, is that not a reason to remove certain members from the House, the Senate, as well as executive level? Well, look, I mean, we have called for the removal of Alejandro Mayorkas as head of DHS. Uh, You know, he took an oath to protect the security of the United States and the homeland, and he has done everything in his power to ensure that that doesn't happen. Uh, With regard to some of these other officials, we do have the power to remove them. They're called elections. Uh, And, you know, there's one coming up in 2022. Uh, We, the American public, ultimately have responsibility for who we put in office and if we don't like the job they're doing, we, we can replace them. Well, in terms of the job they're doing, and I guess this is something we, we see here, and it gets, it gets down to there has to be a vested interest for coming. I mean, really, a lot of folks don't understand. Back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, 
we had an open immigration program where we actually we sought immigrants to bring them in to do certain certain work. And that's where this problem kind of stemmed from. Whereas today we've got a situation where if we're not taking care of the people we've got on our streets that their parents were born here, they were born here. Um, we, we've got to take care of those before we can look at immigration. I've had a lot of people and I know I'm going to get them. I'm going to get the haters come out today. They're going to say, well, you're, are you're just, you know, you're, you're being uh, basically racist because you don't go through. That's no, not the ca- case at all. We're all immigrants. At some point we came over, we conquered this land and Ellis Island used to be the gatekeeper. Everybody came through Ellis Island. We knew about that. We've gotten away from that, but ultimately there's, there's still a motivation. And I think it gets down to uh, this topic of what I want to call uh, birthright citizenship. And I'd like to know what FAIR's view is on birthright citizenship before I give my two cents. I, you know, FAIR has taken a position that the 14th Amendment or the citizenship clause of the 14th Amendment does not guarantee that anybody who is born on U.S. soil is automatically a citizen of the United States. And as a matter of fact, if you are a U.S.-born child of a foreign diplomat, you are not recognized as a citizen of the United States because the clause says you have to be under the jurisdiction or subject to the jurisdiction. To the jurisdiction. Very the key word. Very key it's, Yeah. The Constitution does not include extraneous words. They don't go for rhetorical flourish. Those words mean something. Uh, to be under the jurisdiction of the United States doesn't mean simply that you're here and you have to stop at the red lights just like the rest of us. It means much more than that. Uh, If you or I leave the physical jurisdiction of the United States and go abroad, we are still subject to taxation here in the United States. If we were young enough and there was a draft, we could be subject to the draft. Uh, A a non-citizen who leaves the country is not in any way subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Uh, You cannot be charged with treason because you you have no jurisdiction. The United States has no jurisdiction. They can charge you with other things, but there is a fundamental difference between uh, a citizen and a non-citizen when it comes to the the, the true sense of what it means to be un- subject to the jurisdiction thereof. And illegal aliens clearly do not fall under that uh, category. And it was explicitly said during the debates back in the 1860s on the 14th Amendment that they did not intend it to include uh, all these people. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of folks need to understand that, you know, the 14th Amendment is, is touted as, well, this is where this comes through. The 14th Amendment was passed uh, basically after the Civil War as punishment for the South. Um, to include the freed uh, slaves' children to be sure that they're included. It was not meant uh, to go through and, go and, and expand that in an area. And the, specifically, the clause he's talking about is Clause 1 of the 14th Amendment, all persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof, keywords, are citizens of the United States and the states where they reside. That's where all of this stuff kind of hovers around is the interpretation of this. And the big question is, we go back and you can look at the history of this. You can look at the, the debates that went on as he, as uh, Iris referred to. And how did we get from what was an intent to where we are today, which is effectively what I, I think what Iris is going to say and what I'm going to say, which is a misinterpretation of the 14th Amendment. More importantly, what do we got to do to stop it? All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, pay a few bills. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast on Voice America Radio Network. I'm Darren Yancey, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. 
Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. We're having loads of fun because, you know, we bring you information that, frankly, nobody else wants to talk about. Today, our special guest is Ira Millman. He is the media director for what's called FAIR, Federation for American Immigration and Reform, which Lord knows right now, uh, I don't think there's anybody out there that wouldn't disagree that we need to have immigration reform. And I think it starts with the 14th Amendment. And I think it starts with, because let's, let's be honest with you, most folks that come here in the legal process, they go through the proper channels, they get the application. And again, I'm not anti-immigration. I don't think FAIR is anti-immigration. Would I, would I be correct on that? That's correct. We are not anti-immigration. We are immigrant HS needs to be limited and it needs to be designed so that it serves identifiable national interests. Uh, so we can get into a whole discussion of the legal process, which is not meeting those objectives either, but people are obeying the laws as they are. And, you know, they're playing by the rules as they exist. Most of the folks that come in, I think want to come in the folk, the problem we're having with the borders, with, with what they're coming up through Central America, South America, through Mexico and causing lots of problems is, We've got a situation why they come in here and it's the birthright citizenship issue under the 14th Amendment, the interpretation. How do you think that we got to the point where there is obvious there's 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 recorded debate of the intent? As you stated, there is certain clauses if uh, for diplomats didn't make their kids automatic citizens. How did we get to the point where you come here, you have your baby 
and they're a citizen. How did we get here? The, the problem is that this has never been tested in the courts. Uh, what Congress could do is pass a law saying that henceforth we will consider only people who are born to U.S. citizens or legal permanent residents and citizens of the United States. And obviously the first baby born to an illegal alien in the United States would be subject to the lawsuit uh, that would inevitably be brought. Uh, and it would be decided by the Supreme Court. They would have to look at, as you point out, the contemporaneous debates on the 14th Amendment that took place in Congress in the 1860s and determine whether that truly was the intent of the Constitution. And I think you and I agree that clearly it was not the intent of the framers of that amendment. Uh, so, you know, this has never been tested in court. The only legal case was from the late 19th century uh, when the Chinese Exclusion Act was in place. And, you know, I think we all agree that that was a terrible policy. Right. And the children born to Chinese workers here in the United States, it was tested whether they would be citizens because they were born. Uh, is, that U, is that U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark? Yes, that, that would be the case. And the courts determined that, no, these parents were here legally. We had admitted them, and therefore they were uh, subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, and the children should have citizenship. So th that is the only uh, test case that has come up um, ever since the 1860s. Uh, so it, it needs to be addressed either through a constitutional amendment, which is never going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. We, we, we'll, we'll, never, we'll never pass a constitutional amendment about anything, anything in, anymore in this country, I think. Uh, but clearly Congress does have the power to legislate uh, if they were so inclined and then test it in the courts. So uh, it, it's a long shot. But in the meantime, we are stuck with this system that basically serves as an invitation for people to come to the United States. We actually have birth tourism in this country where people, women in the latter stages of pregnancy, come to the United States specifically to give birth in the United States so that the child will have U.S. citizenship. This clearly is not what, a citizen, what citizenship is about. Uh, citizenship means more than you just happen to make your first appearance on U.S. soil, that there has to be something more that draws us together as a nation than you just happen to be born on U.S. soil. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was seeing that there was a, an article from uh, in the Post about a comment from a reporter in the New York Times who was stating that she was abhorred and appalled by the number of U.S. flags about New York. And I'm thinking, you know, if, if you're if you're appalled by that, that's the root of the problem. The whole issue that we had here in America may not have started as a big melting pot. You know, people forget we were actually trying to get away from a lot of religious persecution, but it became, hey, let's bring me. You're tired. You're weak. You're hungry. And that that in it basically inspired what we became and in, in greatness out of it. But it was based upon you could still have your culture, but you become part of a bigger, better idea. You melt. You, you We all come together. We've gotten so far away from that, you know, I don't know how we get it back. But the first thing is to recognize that's what we were here for, was to have that great melting pot of, of ideas that go through. What do you see as, I mean, I'm looking at your site, and, and you guys have got some defined things, American People First, which I'm, I'm all about that. How do we get back to that? I mean, is this something, President Trump talked about it, but didn't go through with the executive order. Is this something that, A, could be addressed by executive order? And if not, how do we get back to it? I, as you point out, that we have become very culturally divided in this country. 
Uh, it's not something that a president, any president, can simply uh, do away with by signing some kind of document that says well, we're not going to have divisions in this country anymore. But, you know, a, a nation is not simply a, a bunch of people who happen to live within certain defined geographic borders. There has to be things, there have to be things that, that unite us. Uh, common uh, culture, common language, uh, the things that really worked to make the melting pot work back in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, the idea that we had certain common values that we were all going to work towards together. Uh, you, you cannot legislate those things. Those things come through just sort of the normal social pressure that is uh, put on people, not not in a negative sense, but a sense that, you know, you are here, and if you want to be part of, of this endeavor that we call the United States, uh, that there are certain things that you have to accept. And as you point out, you can keep certain elements of your native culture and your religions. Uh, all those things are fine, but there has to be something that unites us, not simply uh, things that make us different from one another. Yeah, let me clarify. When I, when I was talking executive order, I meant the elimination of birthright citizenship. I'm sorry. I think um, I threw out the yeah. wrong term on that. I, I think President Trump had the right idea. He didn't go through that. What do you think about if another president decides to do an executive order on birthright citizenship? Well, I, I, I don't know that it can be done by executive order. Again, uh, you know, th this would be a matter for constitutional scholars, whether a president can okay. decide this by constitutional, uh, by um, executive order. I mean, we're, we're getting into a, a territory here in the United States where we have dictatorship in four-year increments where each new president just signs executive order after executive order, right. which is not exactly how our founding fathers intended it to be. But nevertheless, something has to happen. Uh, the best course would be for Congress to pass legislation. And as I said, uh, inevitably, it would be challenged in the courts. Let the Supreme Court decide what was the intent of the 14th Amendment. Was it intended to say that if you just got here, however you got here, uh, and had a child in U.S. soil, that made your child a U.S. citizen or not? Uh, so it's long overdue that the Supreme Court look at this but the Supreme Court needs some kind of vehicle to look at. Right. There's got to be a lawsuit. Basically, people forget, why can't they just take it up? That's not how it works. That has to go through. Now, going back to some affairs goals, uh, putting American people first, obviously, what I define that as is we've got folks that need to be working. If we've got homeless out there, American citizens, they need to come first before we open the borders for any form of immigration. Is that effectively what uh, FAIR stands for? Yeah, I mean, we start from the premise that immigration is a public policy. And like any other public policy, it should meet definable national needs and interests. So we need to look at our immigration policy. Is it bringing in too many people? Uh, is it undermining the wages and working conditions of Americans? Is it placing uh, undue stress on social services? What sort of skills are necessary? When somebody comes to the United States, it does make a difference what uh, personal capital they bring with them, what their, uh, their job skills are, what their education. And obviously, we need to be able to adjust this periodically because the needs in 2021 may not be the same as the needs that we're going to, we're going to have in 2030 or 2040. So we do need to look at how immigration policy affects everybody. We are now taking through the legal immigration process a million people a year. That, that, that's a major metropolitan area that we're taking. Plus, you know, we have large scale illegal immigration. 
inevitably this impacts on every aspect of life in the United States and it affects all of us, not just people who are living in the border regions in Texas and Arizona, but people all across the country. Yeah, these are people that are competing for other jobs. And the question is, uh, you, you've come to the forefront on something. It's, it's always been on the skirmishes. Uh, I know the current Democratic administration thinks, well, these are all going to be people that come up and vote. And I'm going to throw some cold water on that in a second. But you've, you've hit a key point is, do we need to have just where you can come? It's, there's a difference between coming and visiting versus coming and staying and becoming a resident and becoming a citizen is what skill sets we it, we've not really had that before but it brings a very good question because obviously there's areas in our economy we are lacking in we've got certain areas of engineering we've got a whole generation of engineers that when they retire there's not another generation of engineers to replace them um do we have the necessary employment needs the question's going to be is how hard of, of a political fight is that to the general masses that will make the election. For example, labor right now is under the illusion that the Democrat Party is going to protect them, and they tell them this. They try to push out things like the PRO Act, which is a basically a unionization bill. At the same time, it's let everybody come in through the southern borders because we think they're going to vote, and they also promote technologies that are designed to replace the very labor positions they say they're going to protect. So how do you come out with a message from the groundswell that addresses exactly what you're talking about? Because that's really, this isn't a matter, as we said, we got to elect people, but we've got to give them the message and we've got to give them to go through. This is a, what I consider a communications issue. How would you address that? Well, you know, first of all, with regard to the labor unions, they're actually kidding themselves here because what happens and what's happened in the past is that if you have to, if they have to pay Americans higher wages and you're not controlling your illegal immigration, they're simply going to turn to the next wave of people who come across. Absolutely. Not kid ourselves. Uh, illegal immigration does not provide cheap labor. It provides subsidized labor. The employer gets to pay low wages. We, as consumers, maybe we save a little bit of money uh, on the services and products they produce, but then we have to provide for all the human needs that these folks have. We have to provide education, healthcare. Uh, so, you know, you may be saving a nickel on a cup of coffee at the, at, at the diner, but you're paying an extra quarter in taxes to educate that guy's kids and provide healthcare. So what have you gained? Well, as we say, you're, you're, you're going cheap on the front end and you're deferring the cost on the back end. That's correct. And uh, we're not going to ever gain anything by deceiving ourselves. No, we're not. Unfortunately, that message has got to be, it's got to be transmitted. And there was a time the Democratic Party, I think, actually cared for its labor force. I don't think they give a rat's rip right now. They don't care about anything except ideology. Uh, if you look at this administration, they are just going all in on mass immigration. It does not have the support of most Democrats. I mean, look at some of the Texas Democrats who represent districts along the border. They're pleading with the White House to stop it. Uh, and yet it continues because they believe in the long run this is going to serve an ideological end that the, these radicals want to push forward, even though it has virtually no public support. Well, and you know what? We're going to talk about that because we've just had some few elections and we've had some results that are coming out that uh, I think uh, the Democrat Party are going, oh, my God. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey, our special guest today, Ira Melman from FAIR. We're talking about immigration and potential immigration reform. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. We've got Ira Melman, special guest today, media director for FAIR, which is for basically trying to do some things right in immigration. Now, we were getting into a very important topic of what the Democrat agenda is on this, why they're kind of ignoring it. And you, you, you threw the political undertone that they're hoping that this is going to be a next generation of voting block for them. And I think there's, there is going to be some of that that will be. Um, but I can tell you, um, I've been married into a young woman for now 30 plus years. Uh, her family's Hispanic and um, I married into the culture by choice and I know the culture and I, a lot of these folks say they're coming up. Okay, they may be coming for different reasons, but they're not the political ideologues that the Democrats think they're going to be. A lot of them are very conservative, very religious conservative. Uh, they're not big fans of uh, abortion. You start getting into different things on transgender and homosexuality. You, they're going to get responses that they're they're just going to scare them. And then right now, you mentioned the Texas border towns. Let me tell you what just happened. Okay. We've had mayoral races here in Texas, which go on in May, and you get some runoffs. Gentleman by the name of Javier Villalobos just won mayor of McAllen, Texas. Now, you might go, what's the big deal in McAllen, Texas? 
McAllen, Texas is an 85% Hispanic city, has traditionally voted Democrat, but it's a very, it's a conservative Democrat city. Um, the U.S. representative that's in that area is a conservative Democrat. He doesn't, he doesn't play much on the national radar, but this is really, even though it, it votes Democratic, it's been starting to trend Republican. Well, well when this man won the mayoralship, uh, I watched some of the feedback on Twitter, and you would have thought that we had Three Mile Island going down in Washington, D.C. And here's what I, my message is to those in the Democrat Party that think this is automatically going to do a voter base. You need to know the demographic of what's coming up. The demographic of what's coming up, folks, like I said, Texas took <laughs> Texas property away from Mexico in 1836. It's been a property war ever since. We know the Democrats. We know each other. We're neighbors. We're friends. We got family. We're all pretty conservative folks, whether they whether they have a D or an R beside them. That's why this state's pretty conservative on them. I don't think it's going to have the results that they think. And I think this mayoral election and some of the things that we're seeing in some heavily Democratic areas in our state right now are a wake-up call. What do you think about that, Aaron? Yeah, it's affecting the people who live in those communities. They're the ones who are really feeling the effect. Uh, you know, it's easy for elites, you know, sitting in San Francisco or New York City to say, oh, you know, we, we should just welcome everybody. It's not their jobs that are being affected by it. It's not their healthcare facilities that are being overwhelmed. It's not their children's schools that where half the kids don't speak English and the teachers have to spend time just teaching the basics to some of these kids. Uh, in most cases, it is other Hispanics, Hispanic Americans, who are feeling the brunt of this. They're the ones who are paying for it with their jobs, with their wages, with the quality of their children's education. Uh, you know, for a long time, they've been trying to divide us by saying, uh, you know, that this is a Hispanic issue that, you know, it, it doesn't, that, that Hispanics all favor open immigration. That's, no, that's uh, baloney. It, it is, and it always has been. And you know, the, the Republican Party bought that for a long time. If you, you know, go back the last few election cycles before uh, President Trump, is, you know, we, we've got to pander on immigration Otherwise, we will never get the Hispanic vote. And in fact, it turns out that uh, in the last election, President Trump actually got a much higher percentage of the Hispanic vote than anybody else who's running on the Republican ticket. Uh, and now you're seeing, as you point out, in McAllen and other places, uh, you, you, the Hispanics are trending more Republican precisely because it is affecting them where they live. Well, regardless of party affiliation, I just simply know the demographic. I mean, a, I, I had a lot of uh, Mexican friends when I grew up um, that were from Mexico, and I had those that were here that are Mexican-Americans. That's how they like to be called. We were buds. We were compadres. You know what? <laughs> they were pretty simple. They, we had a lot of the similar tastes. We had a lot of similar conservatives. We were liberal in certain areas together. And it's not a demographic that is going to want a lot of the what I can consider in a really wacky agenda right now from the Democrats. And I think they're going to be surprised with that. But let me ask you a question. And, and, and I've, I've thrown this out once before, and I got a lot of hate mail over it. How big a mistake was it to start putting press one for English and offering Spanish only services? And do you think we can ever reverse that? Well, language is an important unifying thing in the United States. And it is in every country. If you, um, and one of the things that we should expect when people come to the United States is that they will learn the language of the country. Mm -hmm. 
it, it is fine to be able to speak another language, but to operate in the day-to-day -day life of a country, you should be able to speak the language. And language eventually, if you look at countries around the world, does drive a wedge. I mean, just look at Canada. Uh, if, Quebec has been a, a perpetual issue for Canada because of that linguistic difference. Mm -hmm. Language can be a unifying uh, aspect of the assimilation process. If you go back to a century ago, uh, the mass of immigrants who came over at, in the late part of the 19th and early part of the 20th century, by the second generation, English was the dominant language. They had abandoned, for the most part, the use of those languages in public life. There may still be uh, have been people who spoke it privately in their homes. Uh, but really allowed the next generation to assimilate into the American mainstream and to succeed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people and I, I know a lot of folks, I know a lot of illegals that are here and, and they're, they're, you know, the ones that I know that they're good folks, but, and they came for different reasons. And I told them how I feel. I said, look, you know, go back and come illegally. We welcome you with open arms, but I think catering yeah. to them with, you know, a Spanish only speaking criteria uh, I think, and that's, and really, if you go back and look at that, when did that start? That started under Clinton. Well, yeah, it, it's, I don't know, it, it's probably been evolving as you have a growing number of people who speak a foreign language, you want to appeal to that consumer base. Uh, but it, it doesn't do the country any good. And also, it's not just a question of going back and, you know, filling out all the paperwork. There has to be a limit on the number of people who can come to the United States. Uh, you know, whatever limit we set, there's going to be more demand. And that's why we have to have rules. We can debate, you know, should it be a million, should it be a two million, should it be uh, half, half a million? Wh whatever the number is, you've got to design it, number one, with the interests of the American public in mind. And number two, recognize that at some point you're going to have to say no. Uh, and, you know, if we're taking half a million people and, you know, there are 10 million people who want to apply, that doesn't mean that the other 9.5 billion can come to the United States illegally. And there is your issue right there because there are those, um, I, and I'll be honest with you, I think there's Republicans that feel this way. They just don't have the, they're just not going to come out and show their cards. Um, I think the, the issue is number one. Now, my, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Do we not have a quote unquote immigration goal of number of people we allow to come in legally each year? We don't have a specific number. Uh, we, we take people based on a series of preferences in the immigration system. So you can, uh, American citizens can bring spouses and minor children uh, with no limit. Uh, and really what we have now is family chain migration. It's not just the immediate nuclear family that's allowed to come. We allow people to then petition for extended family members, brothers and sisters. Uh, so once you come to the United States, uh, then you can turn around and petition for your siblings. Your siblings bring their spouses. Their spouses can then turn around and petition for their siblings, and it goes on and on. And it, it doesn't matter what the individual qualifications of those people are. Uh, they get to come simply because they happen to be related to somebody who's already here, which in any other context would be called nepotism and probably be outlawed. But that really is the basis of our immigration system. What we pr propose is that you come to the United States, you should be allowed to bring your nuclear family, your spouse and your unmarried minor children. But beyond that, all the other extended family members are going to have to qualify on their own. And given the fact that we live in a country, in a world where transportation is easy, except during COVID time, 
it's not like a uh, hundred years ago where you got on that boat, waved goodbye to right. them as you were leaving. You were never going to see them again. We can see them. We can Skype with them. We can Zoom with them. We can do all sorts of things. It's not like you're ever going to lose touch with those folks. You know, Ira, there's some people on the other side that would call you cold and uh, not, not a warm, caring person for wanting them to see by Skype. And that's part of the problem right there is we, we have some what I call thin-skinned uh, rhinos that when they get called names like that, they don't come out and state the facts. I can tell you this conclusively from living in my state. Um, number one, if you aren't speaking Spanish or, or excuse me, if you are speaking Spanish and no English, you're at a disadvantage, period. Yes, there is a support system out there that will take care of you, but you're hiding in the shadows for whatever reason. It doesn't help them. And the reality is this chain migration, I, I, I totally agree with what, what uh, your company or organization is looking at. One person could lead to 30 or 40. And that's not a controllable mechanism. And it doesn't have the qualitative issues in it that you're talking about. So is it, do they just want people over here to just, they think they're just low information voters. Is that what the goal is ultimately just get as many low information voters as possible? Well, I, I, I think that's what the, they stay. Yeah. I, I think the motivation of this administration is they just want as many people to come in as they possibly can for ideological reasons. Uh, but you know, in terms of, you know, reuniting families, you have to remember it, it is impossible to achieve that goal because every time you reunite one extended family, you are breaking up another extended family that then needs to be reunited. So it, you know, it's like pulling a string out of a, uh, out of a garment. It, it is eventually going to unravel. Uh, we have to recognize that there has to be some cutoff uh, that we can still maintain family connections, we can travel, we can visit them, they can visit us. Uh, it, it, but these are choices. When you make a choice in life, you don't necessarily have the government guarantee that they're going to repair any damage that you have done as a result of the choice that you made. So if you decide to pick up and leave your country, come to the United States, it should be with the knowledge that there is no guarantee that everybody in your uh, extended family is going to be allowed to rejoin you here in the United States. It, it simply cannot work that way. All right. Fantastic point. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey and our special guest, Ira Melman of the FAIR organization. Don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the last segment of the Information Edge podcast. Our special guest today is Ira Melman, Media Director for the Federation for American Immigration Reform, also known as FAIR. My governor... Greg Abbott came out this past week and said he's going to arrest anybody coming across the border that's not legal. Does he have that authority? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. Um, immigration is a federal issue. Uh, he obviously has to have some reason why this would be a compelling interest to the state. And, and look, I mean, illegal immigration is a compelling interest to the state because it is the state and local governments that are that become responsible for providing all the necessary services that people um, have when they, they arrive here in the United States. And especially now, given the health situation, COVID, uh, People in Texas are going to be on the front lines. We have no idea what diseases people might have, uh, whether they have COVID or other contagious diseases. And as we've learned from bitter experience over the last year and a half, that, that's a pretty serious issue. Well, you know, that brings up a good point. Um, you know, right now, I can tell you this, and, and I, I have a lot of friends down in South Texas, both Democrat and Republican alike, they're unhappy. Um, you've got ranchers right now who before this month is out, if this is not contained, I can tell you right now, you're going to have ranchers starting to shoot people because they are tired of trespassers coming across their property. They're having situations where people coming up, banging on their doors at 2 and 3 a.m. in the morning for demanding help, raiding different products. Um, it's, going, it's going to have a deadly effect if it's not controlled because these ranchers are only going to put up with so much. And we do have a lot of laws in Texas protecting the rights and, and trespassing will get you shot in Texas. And you're going to start seeing that happening. And so God knows what that's going to erupt into. But I guess the real question is, you know, can, as far as having that type of authority, it is a federal issue. This is what some of the sheriffs say. Um, we've got Hidalgo County, which is where one of the big ones, matter of fact, McAllen is out. And his police chief have both told uh, reporters that they've been invited to a meeting. They're going to hold it down in Del Rio. Uh, the question that they've got is, they said, basically, this is a federal law issue, just like you said. They have no legal authority unless something happens where they break state law. So the question is, is the governor going to try to come up with something creative to give them as a tool to go through, or are they going to interpret? And 
you know, we're in, we're in a unique situation here, and Texas doesn't have any. Well, we're not supposed to have any sanctuary cities. I know we've got some. Um, what if this? If they do indeed find this, do you think this is something that um, we've already seen? Where what I'm reading, they they said, hey, we we can't arrest these people. We don't have the capacity. But let's say they come up with a a, a miracle way to arrest them. Is this going to have any impact? Well. <laughs> Yes, I mean, it will have an impact on the state of Texas. Uh, the administration will probably just move people right out of Texas, which they're doing anyway. Uh, but, you know, just going back to, to what you were talking about, Rand, no, nobody should engage in any sort of vigilantism because the problem isn't really the people coming across the border. The problem is in Washington, D.C. Look, we all understand why people come to the United States illegally. We should not condone illegal activity like that, uh, but we understand it. What is hard to fathom is why our own government is imposing this on us, why they are creating policies that send a very clear signal to people, uh, violate our laws. They are the ones who are responsible. uh, And, you know, to the extent that Governor Abbott and some of the other political uh, folks in Texas can hold the federal government accountable, uh, that, that, that will do a great service to the country. You know, when President Biden came to office, he said he wanted to suspend all immigration enforcement for 100 days. Texas went to court. Uh, they got a judge to slap an injunction on it. Uh, it has had moderate success because the administration said, OK, we'll just do the absolute minimum. But those are the sorts of things that have to happen. And, you know, we applaud Governor Abbott for his leadership in, in trying to maintain some semblance of rationality when it comes to immigration policy and enforcement, because if it was left up to the folks in Washington, uh, this would be the norm. This is this is not a mistake what's happening. Uh, this isn't just incompetence. This is the policy. Border chaos is the policy of this administration. Well, and I don't disagree with it. It's, it's something I can tell you right now. Uh, a lot of the state leaders, uh, both Democrat and Republican, are very fed up for all the reasons that have been mentioned here. I want to talk about something that happened a few months ago. And uh, it actually came up against me in a confirmation hearing with a Texas Senator Alvarado. Joe Biden, there was 109 migrants that came across that were tested for COVID, positively tested for COVID. Now, Regardless, you know, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of overreaction, but there's certain segments of our society, COVID is very deadly, okay? And we've done a lot of things to try to quell it. Joe Biden took those 109 people that tested positively for COVID and moved them into other parts of the United States, and we have no idea where they're at right now. So here's a question. If in any way those 109 people get other people sick, cost lost wages, or we have a death, should Joe Biden be held personally responsible for that? He certainly should be held morally accountable. Uh, Again, it it is hard to go after a a sitting politician. Uh, They're protected by all sorts of immunity, but certainly the president should be held morally accountable for any damage that is caused by his deliberate policies. When he sent 109 people into the interior of the country, knowing that they were infected with a potentially deadly virus that could be spread fairly easily, then he is deliberately placing the American people in danger. And it runs contrary to everything we've been trying to do over the past year and a half. We have imposed all kinds of restrictions on American citizens. We have curtailed foreign travels to the United States, which obviously has an effect on a lot of businesses here in the United States. So, you know, while he's telling the American public, you have to... uh, 
abide by certain restrictions and telling people who want to come to the United States legally for very legitimate purposes, you can't come right now. Uh, he is making it even easier for people who are coming to the United States illegally and potentially spreading diseases that could have great potential harm. Well, I don't disagree. I personally, and I and I got royal for this, and I'm not backing off it. I think if someone dies, I, I personally think he needs to be criminally prosecuted for that. Um, because if, if, if the roles were reversed and it was Donald Trump, I promise everybody in Congress that had a D behind their name would do the same. Here's the last question. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you in terms of your organization. How, If someone wants to support your organization, tell us how they do that. Well, that's, that, that's an easy one. Uh, they can go to our website, which is fairus.org. That's F-A-I-R-U-S dot O-R-G, fairus .org. Uh, There's all kinds of information on there, uh, including information about how you can get involved and make a difference in your own community if you're inclined to do so. Now, does FAIR come out to any communities and hold any type of rallies or events, or do you coordinate anything through your well, We do. We do. We have people who work in the field uh, with activists around the country. Uh, I, I am heading down to Arizona in a couple of weeks where there's going to be uh, a group of sheriffs who are coming down to the border there to talk about what's going on. So, you know, what we're trying to do is organize all the interested parties. FAIR is a nonpartisan group. Uh, what unites us is the sense that we should have an immigration policy that protects and serves the interests of the American people. And that really ought to be a bipartisan issue. It should be a bipartisan issue, and I, the one thing I like about that that you put on there is putting the American people first, which I interpret as putting America first, and I think that's been the problem. We, For a short period of time, we've, we had America being put first again. We saw the positive effects of that, and now I think we've went 180 degrees the other way, and I don't think the American people voted for that. I don't even think the Democrats voted for that, so it's been interesting. Ira, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, it's been enlightening. Uh, we, we Can we have you back in the future? Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thanks. All right, folks. All right, folks, this has been the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. I hope today's show was informative, educational, and some degree entertaining. We'll be back next week with a new topic, possibly a new guest. Until then, have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then.